the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, the latest poll from Gallup makes it clear the border and unchecked migration across it is the number one issue in the minds of voters. President Biden visits the border. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with an issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. Former President Trump visits the border. This is a Joe Biden invasion, allowing thousands and thousands of people to come in from China, Iran, Yemen, the Congo, Syria. We'll talk to Brett Baer. The cat is is out. I mean, it's it's a issue that people really think is is a big problem, not just in border states or red states, but in sanctuary states and blue states. And Byron York on the national security threat. The number of illegal crossers from China has exceeded the number of illegal crossers from Mexico. We'll hear from Peter Kirsenow of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. There's a concerted effort on the part of virtually all media to suppress actual stats and information related to crimes committed by illegal aliens. And James Fishback on the fentanyl coming over our border. Fentanyl, which is taking over a dozen beautiful children from us every week. We do not have our priorities straight. We've got all this and more. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to talk with you. Catch my program each weekday morning live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me on X at Hugh Hewitt. Follow this program as well, please, at Town Hall Review. Significantly, more Americans name immigration as the most important problem facing the United States than they did a month ago. Immigration is now passed the government as the most often cited problem. Those two lines come from the latest polling from Gallup. Both former President Trump and President Biden visited the border on Thursday. This crisis is real. We will be diving into it today, starting with Brett Baer of Fox News. Brett was a guest on my program. You were talking about it on Saturday night. We were watching your coverage after the South Carolina primary with Martha with a bunch of, of Trump folk. And I was amazed about the Chinese numbers, which they then immediately confirmed. 40,000 adult Chinese males have crossed our border in the last 15 months, whereas it used to be a rather rare event. 40,000, Brett. Are you surprised by that number? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it could be very easily that they're escaping their country, and that's how they're coming in. However, it, it raises a lot of red flags, and it's not just China. I mean, it's it's everywhere over the map of significant numbers, north of 5,000 from Tajikistan. I mean, that's not a great number to see because some of these countries um, obviously are red flags for terrorists. Well, I go back to, to the Reagan years when I was last – held any kind of classification. And I and I know that we would never have allowed 40,000 Soviets to cross the, the southern border 
in the Reagan administration. We just wouldn't have allowed it. They would have been put in detention because you don't know. And they've all got to be vetted. We would go crazy about vetting one Russian that showed up. And I, I think maybe the Biden administration isn't aware that the CCP might be wanting to infiltrate people into the country. Have you ever heard Mayorkas or anybody voice this? No. I mean, I, I've heard concerns about numbers, but not specifics of people. You know, look, fentanyl is getting in in huge quantities, killing our people, uh, let alone we don't know uh, people getting in with uh, malintent. So I think it's a really big problem. And obviously, Hugh, it is now the number one issue every state that we have seen. And I imagine it's going to be the number one issue in Michigan as well. Well, they're both going to the border this week uh, on Thursday. Both former President Trump and current President Biden are both going to the border. Do you think there's any way Joe Biden changes the public's perception of his border policies? Because I don't think it's possible. No, I don't think so. And in fact, the White House is already forecasting that he's not going to issue executive orders on this trip. You know, I don't you don't know why, because he could have done it on day one, uh, but He's not doing it, they say. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that it, the the cat is is out. I mean, it's 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 a issue that people really think is is a big problem, not just in border states or red states, but in sanctuary states and blue states. I think Brett is right. Americans, including many who are not concerned about the border issue in the past, have awakened to what we are facing today. This is an issue that will haunt President Biden through Election Day. I turn to Byron York of the Washington Examiner. Both candidates are going to the border. Whom does it hurt? Whom does it help? Well, it helps Trump, and it hurts Biden. I mean, the idea, if Biden thinks that he can somehow undo the damage that he has done in three-plus years at the border, if he can just sort of undo this now, he's nuts. Even, even members of what used to be called the mainstream press have had to... Uh, recognize what a disaster this is. The murder case in Georgia is just going to get bigger. I mean, it's just going to get bigger because it's directly attributable to Biden's policies. And so this hurts him a lot. And of course, Trump looks better. I mean, uh, remain in Mexico looks better now that Biden abandoned it, leading to an absolute disaster. By the way, what, what number do you use for the number of people who have crossed illegally into the United States since those that we've encountered eight million on its way to nine million, the number of gotaways is not known. Yeah. But eight okay. eight million over three years going towards nine million now rather rapidly. The other number that I yeah. think is important that I had confirmed for me this weekend, forty thousand Chinese males, most of whom are unaccompanied and of military age, have crossed the border in the last fifteen months. Uh, yeah. and have had encounters. 40,000. And prior to that, it was nothing. Chinese males coming. Bill Maluchin pointed this out the other day that in fiscal year 24, in other words, since uh, October the 1st of last year, the number of illegal crossers from China has exceeded the number of illegal crossers from Mexico in the last year. And Maluchin said, you know, I wanted to cover the border. I wanted to cover this issue. I worked on my Spanish, and now I realized I should have been working on Mandarin. Yeah, that's it. And those folks need to be, every one of them needs to be detained. They are our number one enemy in the world. We would never, in the in the height of the Cold War, we would never have allowed 40,000 Soviets to enter the country without, oh, and come on. And being throw. released into the United States every single day. No, it's, it's astonishing. The promise, the promise that Biden made and the promise that Biden has kept 
which is that if you come to the United States illegally, if you cross into the United States illegally, you will be allowed to stay. And for the large majority of people who do that, that has turned out to be true since January 20th, 2021. All of the raw numbers of these migrant crossings and encounters at the border can be a bit overwhelming, a bit numbing. But the anecdotes of real lives lost as a result of illegal crossings serve to wake people up. I'm referring, of course, to the murder of Lake and Riley. She was a junior on the dean's list at the University of Georgia in Augusta. She was out running. Now she's dead. The suspect is a Venezuelan man who entered the United States illegally. California Representative Katie Porter responded. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Peter Kersenow of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights responds. He was a guest of Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer, in Cleveland. Uh, Lake and Riley, the uh, nursing student who was killed in a barbaric way, according to the most recent information, the individual charged in her death, Jose Antonio Ibarra, an illegal alien, he's been charged with um, malice murder, murder, kidnapping, false imprisonment, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, and concealing the death of another, as well as the misdemeanor of physically hindering a 911 call. And aggravated battery was added when it was determined that he maliciously caused bodily harm to her by, and the wording here is really kind of gross, but disfiguring her skull. Um, So we can only imagine what that means. And Peter, Katie Porter's response was just so emblematic of the left. Don't let the murder of an American citizen dictate America's immigration policy. Well, I'm thinking to myself, no one incident should, but how many should? How many? Exactly what is the number two? Because we could offer Kate Steinle three. We, we could offer dozens and dozens and dozens of cases. How many crimes against American citizens need to be committed by illegal aliens before Katie Porter and the Democrat Party and Joe Biden's regime will say, yeah, maybe we should let this have an impact on our immigration policy? Well, an unlimited amount, because the fact of the matter is that that is one instance that the media was almost compelled to report upon. And even so, outside of Fox and other uh, conservative or so-called conservative outlets, you will hear very little about it. There's a concerted effort on the part of virtually all media to suppress actual stats and information related to crimes committed by illegal aliens. A few years ago, when Tucker was still on Fox, I had a series of debates with a guy from the Cato Institute about crime, which they you know, they just underplay it. You know, okay, so legal aliens commit crimes, but they also contribute to the fabric of society, blah, 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 blah. A more inane argument you will never hear anywhere else. But here's here are the stats. We've got the stats on this. Legal aliens... It's almost de rigueur that I must say at the outset that not all illegal aliens are bad people, blah, blah, blah. But you hear that constantly. So you don't have to hear it from me. Let me give you the stats with respect to crimes committed by illegal aliens, not including the crime of crossing the border illegally, not including the crimes associated with remaining in this country illegally and all the crimes you have to commit to remain in this country, such as document frauds. You go on and on and on, okay? We're talking about serious crimes. 
A number of studies have been done. I won't go through all the statistics and all the, cite all the studies. John Lott is one of them, uh, who I cite very often. He's testified several times before the Civil Rights Commission. But in Arizona, let's take Arizona alone, because that's been in the news lately because of some of these sanctuary uh, hovels that are there. It is uh, an illegal alien is not 10% more likely, which would be a lot, frankly, not 15% more likely and not 20% more likely to commit crimes than a lawful resident. An illegal alien is 250% more likely to commit serious crimes, such as murder, rape, aggravated robbery, homicide, for example. They're not more like 20% more likely or 30% more likely. They're 250% more likely to commit homicides. Now, one thing is true, that for some reason, in Texas, the percentages are lower than in most other large states. I did a study of this, along with my assistant and others, and we looked at five of the largest states, Florida, New York, uh, Texas, uh, California, and I don't remember what the fifth one was. But nonetheless, it varied by state. Um, And Texas, for some reason, must have a handle on this because the percentages in Texas were not quite as high as other states, but still dramatically higher. That is, the crimes committed by illegal aliens were dramatically higher, the percentage likelihood, than of lawful residents. Coming up, looking at the cost. The crime. The crime is through the roof. More with Peter Kirsten now from the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Stay with us. This is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review. I'm Hugh Hewitt. The city of Denver announced this week that they would be reducing to zero the number of hours for a number of their employees. They're trying to come up with some of the $4.3 million needed to cover the cost of housing and caring for the migrants that are in their city illegally. That's just one example of average working Americans starting to feel the cost of this crisis. Let's pick up on the conversation of Peter Kirsten now with Bob France. But if you take a look at um, uh, the, the crimes committed across the country, it's extraordinary the amount of crime committed by illegal alien, again, not including the crimes such as document theft, blah, 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 that uh, you, they've got to commit to remain in the United States of America. So as 
horrific and tragic, and we must always make uh, mention of every single American killed or harmed by illegal errands. As horrific as it is, it's not an anomaly. Those kinds of things are going to continue to happen, and unfortunately, it's being suppressed by a corrupt media and by our own government and so many others out there who, who are profiting. Many p- people are profiting from the presence of illegal aliens. We should be looking at those people. They are ghouls. Identify them. Prosecute them where it is appropriate. But this is extraordinary. It's unforgivable. And now we have the president limping down to the border for, what, the first time, I think, yeah. after he's unleashed all of this. Yeah. Bob, the, let me give you one stat. Just one stat. Last week, Stephen Camerata, no, two weeks ago, Stephen Camerata from the Center for Immigration Studies, and I know you're familiar with them, it's Mark Krikorian's group. Sure. Mm-hmm. He testified before Congress. They did an enormous work, good work, calculating the costs just with respect to increase in welfare accessed by illegal aliens. Illegal aliens consume per year 42, this is net, this is net. This is you, you take into consideration all of the economic benefit, quote unquote, provided by legal aliens because of work and you know whatever taxes they may pay. But the net in terms of what they consume in services and welfare, government services, is forty two billion per year. That's just for the adults. For children, solely in educating children, illegal alien children. Because you've got to, uh, uh, under uh, Supreme Court um, precedent, is $69 billion per year. That's $69 billion that otherwise could go to the education of American children. God knows we need that. But the crime, the crime is through the roof. It's extraordinary, as I've mentioned. So these are just some of the things. The, the, the impact on employment, we also did a study on that. Illegal alien workers supplant American workers generally because, you know, they, first of all, a lot of the aliens are great workers. I'm not going to take that away. I'll be very honest about it. They're great workers. But they also will work for wages under the table. So as a result of that, they take lower wages, and that results in a 7% drop in wages. And yet this administration is sleepwalking through it. Why? Because I said in uh, a very brief National Review article that I wrote, (laughs) Democratic Party has done the assessment, and they know that Democrat or illegal aliens are going to become their constituents. It's something like, and I don't have the the stats right in front of me, but illegal aliens, first of all, do vote. Many of them do vote. Okay, don't anyone, if you hear that from Democrats, of course they are lying to you. Of course, that that was redundant, wasn't it? But if you hear from the media or anybody else that illegal aliens are not voting, that is the biggest, biggest lie in the world. Among other things that the Civil Rights Commission does, maybe not very well, is we take a look at voting rights issues, of course. So we look at this stuff. We have the data. Nobody wants to report about it. And in fact, many conservative outlets don't report about it because there are certain conservative outlets, which I will not name, that kind of like the presence of illegal aliens because they are cheap labor. This is an atrocity, Bob. I can't. Americans of all races, of all ethnic groups, of all economic uh, strata are being hurt by this. And the bottom line for all this is it's not just cheap labor that the oligarchs get to uh, benefit from, not just, you know, humanitarian that people like to preen about. And I'm not saying that there are people out there that aren't compassionate or anything, but a lot of people like to preen about this stuff. But the economic devastation wrought by this and the criminal 
devastation wrought by this is extraordinary and extraordinarily underreported. There's a lot of mendacity going on here, Bob. Peter, um, that, that's so much information. I want to go back to some of the numbers you gave um, uh, from uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Give me those millions again. Uh, you, you mentioned billions. the education billions. billions. The education billions billion and then the general. Six, $42 billion in welfare and $69 billion in <clears throat> education. That's the amount we have to spend over and above what we would otherwise be spending in order to accommodate the presence of illegal aliens who are not working or illegal alien children who must be educated. I think um, I think that maybe our friends at uh, CIS uh, were being a little charitable here and, uh, and underestimating this because I'm looking at a number from March of last year. The new one is going to be coming out. They bring this number out every year from our other friends, uh, Peter, at FAIR. I mean, I remember in advance time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. And as of March 2023, their number, the fiscal burden of illegal immigration on the United States, and maybe this takes into account some other aspects of this, is $150.7 billion. To give you a little comparison. Yeah. yeah, and and to give a little comparative, by the way, that that rate of inflation uh, is is extraordinary. In 2017, so what six years prior, it was 116 billion dollars, but as of last year, 150.7. And like I said, next week or the week after, we'll get the new net uh, um, a cost to the American people for illegal immigration in this country for 20, uh, you know, in, for the last calendar year. So. Um, we're talking about just under $32 billion collected in tax revenue from illegal aliens, because as you said, some of them work. Some of them work very hard, by the way, and they do pay taxes. But the $32 billion uh, uh, taken away from the gross negative uh, economic impact of illegal immigration uh, is $182 billion, leaves $150.7 billion that it costs the American taxpayers uh, to, you know, to, to put all of these people up and provide them with all of these resources. I don't understand how anybody thinks that this is sustainable, given our current $34 trillion national debt, our $2 trillion operating budget deficit in the federal government. How can we continue to give away, or not give away, but spend $150 billion a year on illegals? We can't, and the, the figures between CIS and FAIR are not as dramatically different because when you combine the, the costs cited by Stephen Camerata, it's $110 billion, and he doesn't include the stress upon infrastructure that um, FAIR includes. Both okay. those organizations, organizations are outstanding. I don't think there's much daylight when all said and done when you're comparing apples to apples between FAIR and CIS. Bottom line, Bob? Both organizations say it's well over $100 billion just in out-of-pocket costs from taxpayers to illegals. Correct. $100 billion that could otherwise be going to schools, to infrastructure, you name it, to Americans. We're paying the tax dollars here. And bottom line is, illegal. we have a generous immigration system. Most of my family members are immigrants. Extremely generous. You do it the right way. Way So, number one, we know whether or not you've got a criminal record coming in, so we don't have more people being killed. Number two, th- th- we know that you have some system. In the old days, you had to have show that you weren't going to be a public charge. In other words, that you had a job lined up or someone yeah. else was going to take care of you. I mean, all these things that a rational, sane, and compassionate society does. It, there's no compassion to just simply letting somebody go out there and then having to fend for themselves as an illegal alien uh, committing crimes. That's, that's not compassionate at all. 
This no. is stunning what, is, what we are doing to our country. We are to make losing this. our sovereignty. Coming up, overdose. Most of them have no idea that they're dying from fentanyl. When the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with The Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Overdose it is now the leading cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. And the primary cause behind these fatalities is fentanyl. Fentanyl that is pouring over our southern border, coming through our ports of entry. James Fishback is the author of a recent piece in the Free Press. The title, Fentanyl is Killing American Kids. Most don't even know they're taking it. Fishback was a guest of Seth Liebson. On AM 960, The Patriot in Phoenix. We would go to lunch or dinner, and I would say that kids, people really don't know about it. And they said, you've got to be kidding. I said, ask the waiter. Ask the waitress. And I tell you, probably 7 out of 10 didn't know what fentanyl was. The data shows that about 75% of teens surveyed have no idea about this counterfeit pill fentanyl crisis. Right. And so when they hear in music prescription drugs like Xanax, Adderall, and Percocet glorified and celebrated, they then associate that in a positive way. And then they don't realize that these cheap drugs are flooding the market, are coming across the poorest southern border, and they're disguised as the very tricks, as the very drugs that are glorified in our media and our culture. And so the issue isn't just that fentanyl is so deadly, it's that it is effectively invisible right. for young people. When a young person dies from fentanyl, Seth, they don't go on Instagram or they don't ask a friend, hey, can you get me some fentanyl? Right. No. Right. Most of them have no idea that they're dying from fentanyl. Most of them think, hey, I got a Percocet because yep. you know that's what the rapper said was cool. Or, hey, I got an Adderall, actually well-intentioned. Because despite what you want to say about substance abuse with Adderall, it, it maybe comes from a somewhat decent place, which is I want to study harder. I want to pull an all-nighter. And that's, we don't necessarily stigmatize that in the same way we stigmatize I want to get high right. or I want to experience ecstasy. That's exactly right. They are taking something from a friend or from someone else. They have no idea what is in it. Seven out of ten now, 70 percent fentanyl. Where's the government on this? You go to the government websites or you go to cities like New York or San Francisco where these problems are huge. They've raised the white flag on this. If you're going to the CDC and they're pushing and you get into this in your piece, Mr. Fishback, they're pushing fentanyl test strips. Read what the CDC says. My God, they say so that you can ensure that your cocaine is pure of fentanyl. That's what they're talking about. If you go to San Francisco or New York, you see signs in subways and on the streets saying if you're going to use, and by the way, it's happy young adults at a bar scene looking like you'd want to look if you were 18, 19, or 20. Start small. Use with friends. My God, sir. And that is fatalism at its finest. 
what this country clearly knows how to do with a public health issue and publicizing it and the dangers around it. It does. This country, when it wants to publicize a public health issue, it knows how to do that. We did that. My gosh, we did it with COVID to a fairly well and then some. We shut down schools. We shut down businesses. We didn't let Americans within six feet of each other. This drug crisis is killing people under 50, and it is killing four times as many children in any given year than COVID did in the course of three and a half years. And there is no messaging on this whatsoever. None. None. Absolutely none. And I'll actually quantify that if you'd like, Seth. So far this year, the CDC account on Twitter, the CDC account on Twitter has sent out warnings about COVID Mm -hmm. three times as much as they've sent out warnings about fentanyl. COVID, four years after the start of the pandemic, a pandemic where nearly all Americans have immunity to this virus, which is essentially a nothing burger, which is killing no one at this point, versus fentanyl, which is taking over a dozen young, precious, beautiful children from us every week. We do not have our priorities straight. We're losing the equivalent of two airliners crashing overhead every day to drug overdose. That's fentanyl plus other stuff, uh, fentanyl plus cocaine and meth. But I want people to understand that is the enormity of the crisis we're talking about. Two Southwest airline flights crashing over our heads every single day. The Vietnam Memorial, it took 16 years to get those 58,000 names. You could build two of those memorials a year with what we're losing in drug overdose. Why is the government? State, local, federal, why are they so silent on this? That's a great question. And I I think part of it is they don't want to tackle the source of the problem. Look, there's a short-run problem, there's a long-run problem. The short-run problem is kids, people don't know about fentanyl. All the parents that I spoke to, all of the parents of victims, they had one thing in common, despite being very different, different shades of melanin, different amounts in their bank account, different occupations. They all shared one thing in common is that they did not appreciate the risk and the danger of fentanyl until it took their child. Correct. Coming up, the profit margin. They are turning something, Seth, that costs 10 to 30 cents into a product that they can sell for $10 to $30. A hundred times their money like that. More with James Fishback from the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. John Solomon provides exclusive reporting and newsmaker interviews on John Solomon Reports on the Salem Podcast Network. We broke this story because we got the documents early. They put out this new information, and it affirms our reporting that this Democrat donor gave about $5 million or more in assistance to Hunter Biden, basically paid off his bills. Subscribe to John Solomon Reports today on Apple, Spotify, Google, Rumble, or at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. The drug crisis that we are talking about today has started hitting closer and closer to home. Many of you listening, I know, have lost someone close to you. Or you know someone who has lost someone close to them. There's no reason why our nation should not be addressing this as the crisis it really is. Let's pick up with more of Seth Liebson talking with James Fishback. What we can do right now, bang for buck, is we can get this message out to people that the drug supply is not safe. Even if you believe what you're taking is an FDA-approved prescription drug, 
It is not what it seems to be. And you are playing a deadly, deadly gamble where there are no winners. That's the first thing that we can do, because I'll tell you, we don't control the levers of power, you and me and your listeners. We can't fix the border overnight, but we can't fix China overnight. But we can talk to our kids tonight and make sure that they don't become a victim to this poison. The longer run issue is the supply. The Mexican cartels, the Jalisco cartel, you've got Sinaloa. They are turning something, Seth, that costs 10 to 30 cents into a product that they can sell for $10 to $30. A hundred times their money like that. That is part of the problem. How can we tackle the cartel source? And how, how, so how can we address the demand, the anxiety among young people, the depression, the feelings that they're not good enough, the self-esteem issues, especially among young men in this country? How can we address those root causes that are leading them to seek out the prescription drugs, which we know are not prescription drugs, but are actually fentanyl? So I think Vivek Ramaswamy really touched on this well during his campaign, where he talked about, yes, we have to tackle the supply but we also have to tackle the demand. What is it that is leading kids, not to fentanyl, but to drugs like Xanax, Percocet, yeah. and, and the like Certainly. that is causing them? And so big issues. I know that President Trump and President Biden are going to be at the border on Thursday. I hope we'll touch on that because this should be a bipartisan issue. It totally so should be. To it. This bothers me, too. Why is this not a bipartisan? It used to be. So 1979, until two years ago, you know this, I'm just doing this for the audience. 1979 was the high watermark of drug use in this country. The entirety of the country rolled up its sleeves and did something about it. Every politician spoke about it. Every uh, athletic star, every uh, Hollywood star, uh, musical uh, star, they all got in the game, regardless of politics. And with the message, along with those great, this is your brain on drugs ads, you remember the frying pan and the egg, we reduced drug use. People said you can't do anything, but we actually did. We reduced drug yeah. use by 65% with those kinds and that kind of messaging. But you've put your finger on something, Mr. Fishback, that's critically important. And maybe on the other side of this break, we can talk a little bit more about it. Because while it's, I guess, convenient to talk about the supply issue, the truth of the matter is there would not be a supply issue if there weren't a demand issue. Uh, right. That that series Narcos was so good. The opening line, I'll never forget. The guy said, when we came into Miami with cocaine in the mid-70s, we had a demand problem. Within six months, we had a supply problem. That tells you everything you need to know about drugs. On the demand side, Mr. Fishback, on the youth initiation of drug use side, we have a culture of drug use. Jane, uh, Joe Califano said we're a high society, and I think he's right about that. We've made drugs too handy for too many things, any little problem. Uh, there's a drug for it. When I read the terrible stories, the kinds of stories you highlight, Esther Wojcicki and people like that, um, there is an, a common element here. Almost everyone who ended up at the um, cemetery due to fentanyl, almost every one of these stories, almost every single one of them, when you read the parents' and friends' testimony, they all started with marijuana. Now, I have never made the case that... Uh, I'm, I'm highly anti-marijuana, but I have never much made the case of it being a gateway because I think it's harmful in and of itself enough. But the truth of the matter is, at least anecdotally from every major story you read about fentanyl, is almost yeah. every one of these kids started there. Almost every one of them started there. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. And I'll tell you why, in the case of a young man, 13 years old, from 
from California by the name of Luke Emanuel. He smoked pot, had a dealer on Snapchat, and then he was recovering from a root canal, Seth, and he had this excruciating pain. And he was telling his dealer on Snapchat about it over some messages. And the dealer offered him something called a Percocet. And then all of a sudden, this Percocet gets delivered, he takes it, and he's dead. And because that wasn't a Percocet, as his mom tells me, that was straight fentanyl. And so, you know, this idea of a gateway drug, you know, the causation behind it will vary from case to case. But the ultimate thing is, when you are putting people in contact with drug dealers who are selling the marijuana plugs, as young people in this country refer to them as, those are also selling the very drugs that are pressed with fentanyl. Every drug dealer has a drug dealer. You betcha. Every drug dealer has a drug dealer. And remember, every drug dealer has multiple products. And like every good business, drug dealers are trying to upsell you. Mm -hmm. They're always, because I'll tell you, the money's not in marijuana. No, not anymore. (laughs) No, we fixed that, didn't we? Yeah, we We sure did. Right, right. Right? Right. The the money, marijuana doesn't have 100x profit on the input cost. It's the fentanyl pills that might cost the cartel 10 cents to make. They might sell to the dealer in Atlanta for two bucks. The dealer then turns around and sells that for 30. They're not making 15 times their money on marijuana. They're making 15 times their money on counterfeits that are pressed with fentanyl. And so when you walk in those same circles of the people who sell pot, those are the same people who are going to sell Percocets that are laced with fentanyl. So, yeah, you can't go down this road because you're going to get upsold. You're going to get cross-sold. And you're going to end up getting buried six feet under because you bought something that, that you thought was something else. Would you agree with me, Mr. Fishback, that um, when we look at all the issues we're dealing with, whether it's crime, whether it's youth violence, even school shootings, when you're looking at um, education deficits and dropouts, I've got to tell you, I've done a pretty deep study. There's a lot of causes for a lot of these things. Drugs are almost 80 to 90 percent of all of them. Really, they are. It seems to me you want to get a handle on violent crime, youth crime, mass. You want to get a handle on this stuff? Stop screwing around with the circuitry of children's brains with drugs. That's my view. 100 percent with you. 100 percent with you. And this is the issue that nothing else matters. Right. Right. If we can't talk about this issue, if we're losing a classroom full of kids or 200 adults, classroom full of kids every week, 200 adults every single day. Nothing else matters until we can plug that hole and save young lives. Because if you're not alive, then your entire life trajectory, unfortunately, is irrelevant. Coming up. We have to educate these young people. They are walking into war, and they have no idea of what they've signed up for. The first rule is to understand that you're at war, and that's how you can win one. In the final segment of the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Stay with us. Charlie Kirk here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. 
as we look at this drug crisis. Based on the numbers alone, our nation should be, without a doubt, operating with a dramatic sense of urgency, a sense of urgency that is just absent right now. You and I may not be able to change what's happening with our political leaders, but we can be doing our own parts. We need to step up and communicate the threats to our own families, our own loved ones. Let's catch up with a few more minutes of Seth Liebson with James Fishback. Here's a question I will often start when I do talks on this. Can anyone name the drug czar right now? Used to be a famous person. There were at least two or three famous people. I don't know if anyone could name I'll tell you something. I hate to say it. I don't bet Joe Biden could name the drug czar. That's right. how missing in action we are right now. By the way, you know, we, we were talking, Mr. Fishback, about how this country knows how to handle a public health crisis when it wants to. Yeah. You're old enough probably to remember AIDS. You remember AIDS in the 80s and yeah. 90s? I mean, yeah. it was you. There were marches. There were ribbons. We went to college a week early to have three lessons on AIDS before college started. I mean that we took this thing damn seriously at its worst, sir. 1995, we lost 50,000 Americans to it. We're losing double that amount right now with drugs. And we are not even 1% of the public education campaign we were on AIDS. In 1995, with today's population, we would have lost about 90,000 Americans to AIDS. So almost double. Almost double. Correct. And we saw it during COVID. They pulled out And we all saw it during stops. COVID. Kids, right. Were, right. kids in some cases in California and New York. We're out of school for nearly two years, forced masking, social distancing, lectured, lambasted if they didn't follow the strict catechism of Dr. Fauci COVIDism. And so where on earth is the urgency? And the cynic in me that the mainstream media would be talking about this a heck of a lot more if they could find a way to blame Donald Trump. They can't. So that is the issue, is that the politics is indifferent to the victims of fentanyl. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, straight, gay, rural, or urban. You can be taken by this poison. We've got to accept the urgency, understand where we are, and solve this problem. Have this conversation with your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor, whoever it is, and you can save lives today. We have to educate these young people. They are walking into war, and they have no idea of what they've signed up for. The first rule is to understand that you're at war, and that's how you can win one. This is all I really want to spend my time on when I'm not on radio, sir, just to let you know, because not only is it motivating to me in and of itself, I I, I mean, I just know that it can be done because we have proven the theoretical with the actual. We did it once before from 1979 to 1992. We reduced it 65 percent when we were serious. If you reduced out of child wedlocks, if you uh, out of wedlock childbirth, if you reduced poverty rate, anything by 65 percent, you'd still be having ticker tape parades. I know we can do it if we get serious about it. I'm convinced it can be done. Thanks for joining us for the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. If you enjoyed this program and podcast, do us a favor and share it with a friend. Let me point out, you can get this podcast, Town Hall Review, and my own podcast at the SalemPodcastNetwork.com. If you liked our program, do us a favor, please mention it to a friend. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Shubin, producer David Bouchon, Alex Perez, Harley Idy, Adam Ramsey, and Dwayne Patterson. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.